This podcast is brought to you by Men's Tea Clinic. Men's Tea Clinic is the team I trust with my total wellness optimization, and so should you. Five DFW locations with North Frisco, El Dorado Parkway at Dallas North Tollway now open. Call 972-GO-MEN'S-TEA or visit mensteaclinic.com. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. That's right. It is the KNC Masterpiece here on The Fan. I'm Reginald Atatula, however. Kevin and Corey taking a little time off. Uh, Mike Bassick back from some time off. Dang it, I'm back. Yeah, you, you scheduled it wrong. You missed the guys. Y'all just, ships passing in the night. Yeah, we're on a two-game losing streak. Well, I'm not. I'm on a winning streak. <laughs> Mike with the ultimate, I didn't lose, y'all yeah. lost. Um, I feel like it's crazy that we've gone an hour and I have not said this. I hope everybody had a, a Merry Christmas. Uh, I hope you, Mike, also had a Merry Christmas. Chris, on the ones and twos for us. Thank you, sir. And uh, I guess I also should wish a Merry Christmas to this gentleman um, who is joining us, brought to you by the North Texas Ford Dealers Board, Ford, built for Texas, built for you. His name is Mickey Spagnola. He's a Dallas Cowboys insider. Mickey, did you have a Merry Christmas? It was a quick Christmas, but it was merry. Okay. All right. All right. That's good. Uh, I didn't have any time off. Oh, really? Okay. So does this typically happen for you? Or is it just like because of the nature of the, the Cowboys schedule, Christmas got a little bit clipped? I always tell people that the last holiday we get for sure is 4th of July. <laughs> and then we're at the mercy of the schedule. So we got Christmas Day off. That was good. Okay, all right. Well, do you mind if I ask? I don't want to pry. What, what did you end up spending your Christmas doing? How many games were there on yesterday? <laughs> uh, three football games and well, uh, five basketball games. So I watched football from whenever the first one started till the last one finished. Sounds like a great Christmas to me. Mickey, um, you know, obviously a tough loss in this game, and I don't even know where to start. Um, well, my, we can start here. I'll help you out. Please do. So I thought this one, uh, particularly the road loss, uh, probably hurt the most of any of them mm. uh, because uh, got off to somewhat of a fast start after a uh, you know forfeiting the first possession by fumbling at the one yard line. Uh, you know they had a lead, they fell behind, and they sure showed the wherewithal to come back from 19 to 10 to take the lead with 3:27 left in the game. Uh, and I know they couldn't close it. Uh, but and I think that's why this one hurt because they showed that they're not spooked by the by the road. They actually made a comeback in the fourth quarter against a team um, that's likely to win the AFC East, and uh, you know showed that they can play with them down for down. They just didn't win, and that's the bottom line. You know, you, you watch the Eagles last night or yesterday at late afternoon. They, they they certainly didn't impress you, but the key to their season is they found ways to win those close games or hang in there and close out teams when they're coming back at them. And the Cowboys have not done that against a quality team basically on the road. So uh, it's not that they can't play. They just haven't won. So uh, we'll see what happens down the stretch here. And then uh, if 
the Eagles are able to, uh, you know, win out and win the East. Now, the idea of can't play, but ha- or not that they can't play, but having won feels like it kind of is exhibited on a micro scale with Hunter Lipke. You kind of alluded to the idea of not scoring there. Uh, I know that on the box score, it's attributed to Dak Prescott as a fumble. Uh, who is to blame, if anyone, in that situation? Yeah, I don't know if I, I've watched it and watched it and watched it, and it's. I don't know if it was a mutual thing. Uh, it was just the exchange, and the handoff was, um, you know, somewhat weird. And I don't know if uh, he thought he was going to get the ball, so I, I'm not sure uh, how that played out, but. You know, they had a chance to play before. You didn't have to just pick up one yard from the two-yard line, right? You know, get it in the end zone, and they didn't do it. Uh, so uh, I, I know it, it goes to, you know, whoever makes the last mistake, but what was it, second and two at the two or something? And, you know, they didn't get in. They gained one yard. So when you get in those situations, yeah, you, 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 you got it. Yeah, it was second and one at the two. And uh, – they ran for one yard. Well, whoop-de-doo, right? Hmm. So, Mick, when it goes to the first two drives, you get 148 yards on your first two drives, and you don't have 200 yards the rest of the game. What happened? Do you give a lot of credit to Miami, or do you say the Cowboys didn't do this, and that's why they struggled to gain yards the rest of the yeah, game? Yeah, they, they they had a lull there in, the, in what, the second uh, and third quarter. Um, they, uh, ended up, um, the one possession, they looked like they were moving and they ended up with, with a sack. Well, they started that possession basically at the, what, the six yard line. Uh, so they were backed up after stopping them on a, on a fourth down play. Uh, and then, uh, they ended up starting the next possession with a false start, so they just kind of forfeited the second quarter uh, the way the way it thir- turned out. Uh, and then they really only had, what, did they have one? Maybe they went three and out on the first possession of the, the third quarter. Um, they were m- moving the ball, uh, and then they had the illegal shift, all right? And I understand why that, I understand why that role is in there, that rule, because they all want two guys – uh, going at the same time, right? Well, it it wasn't like CD was trying to fake him out with a with a shift, right? He checked with the line judge, and they told him to back up, and he scooches back a half yard, and it just so happened that Ferguson was in motion, and that accounts for a legal shift. He had where he had run the ball, uh, Dak did down to um, I think it was the eleven yard line. And then you get a penalty, you get pushed back. So they had some weird things happen there. And then the fourth quarter, they recovered. So I'm sure it was a lot of what uh, Miami did. And if you noticed, after that first quarter, they just started blitzing. It was almost like, okay, if we don't get to him, we can't cover the Cowboys. Uh, And so we're going to have to sell out. And the Cowboys did not do a good job of blocking for Dak Prescott. He got sacked four times. There was 12 quarterback hits, 12. Uh, So most of the time, he's struggling in the pocket to get his passes off. Uh, So the protection uh, really faltered 
especially there in the second and third quarter. So I thought that was a huge difference in what went wrong with the offense. We're talking to Mickey Spagnola, DallasCowboys.com right here on The Fan. And Mickey, um, one of the things that also did not help in that regard was Chumi Doga playing at left tackle in the stead of Tyron Smith uh, did not cover himself in glory. We'll say it that way. Well, um, I don't think anybody expected uh, much more from them from him. Uh, he is what he is. And, you know, I think it's incumbent on them to make sure that they give him some help as much as they can over there and not just assume, well, he's playing, he's got to do the job. And, and, and he struggled. But there were some other struggles because there were some blitzes, like I said, they didn't pick up. Uh, they had guys, not, you know, free off the edge. They had guys free coming down through the uh, A or B gap uh, up the middle. And, and they, they came through untouched. So, uh, yeah, there was a lot of fault to go around, but a lot of it had to do, I thought, overall with the protection. And, yeah, you want your Pro Bowl uh, offensive tackle out there. You saw last night what happened. Kansas City, they lost their left tackle, and, and, and the, gate, the floodgates uh, went open. So, um, yeah, it makes a difference when you're playing with a backup. So, Mick, help me out here because I was out all last week. I can only see the updates. Is Tyron Smith, how hurt is he? Is he coming back? I compared it to the Rangers, and it was like, thank God Adolis Garcia got back just in time, and right. Jonah Heim got healthy just in time and started hitting well. I feel like the Cowboys need Tyron Smith healthy for a playoff run. So how is the back? Is it bad? Is it just a one-week thing? Well, let's put it this way. He didn't make the trip to Miami. So it wasn't like, well, we're going to take it right up to game day and see how he feels on on uh, on Saturday. Uh, that didn't take place. So uh, I think we'll find out more this week. All I know is he finished the game with whatever he had the game before. Uh, so you know, adrenaline is is, is a great medicinal uh, factor in some of that. Uh, I, I think we find out a little bit more this week to see if they can, um, you know, get him back out there. And, you know, he'll do everything he can to yeah. play. Uh, it's a matter of passing uh, whatever the trainers are looking at uh, during the week. And, of course, it, you know, right on time, it's a short week and an even shorter week uh, because of Christmas. What about Hankins? How close is he to possibly helping He said out the he thought maybe – uh, this week, uh, but again, you know, we know the history of high ankle sprains, and the guy's 325 pounds on a bad ankle. Uh, so uh, he's he he's doing rehab. As a matter of fact, I saw, I believe it was him out there rehabbing on the cords already this morning. Uh, so I think he's got a chance. But you know, the the funny thing is, it, it's almost like. Uh, you know, going to the fair and, and playing that Papa, what is it, Papa Mole or whatever? Whack-a-mole. Yeah, Whack-a-mole. Yeah. You know, Something it was like we happens. went into this game, and it's like, well, we got to stop the run. You gave up 266, and Mostert has 18 rushing touchdowns, and they do this and that in the in the running game. A-chan will, will hurt you, and they hold them to 91 yards. Well, then another thing pops up. They didn't get enough pressure uh, on the quarterback. Uh, you know, Tua just had way too much time in the pocket uh, for the most of the game. And then when they put pressure on him, uh, they get called for a personal foul. So 
uh, while you know everybody's circulating the picture picture of Dak of Parsons getting held by two guys, not one, two, and one guy got it hands to the face and nothing gets called. So uh, that was an unfortunate uh, 15-yard penalty there when it looked like they were going to get off the field. Now, I, I, I want to go back a little bit because you, you did, you know, allude to the idea that Tyron Smith, you know, obviously dealing with a, an injury that, and this is a back that continues to pop up. And if we are to accept the idea that Chumi Doga is just, you know, he is what he is, if you're missing uh, Tyron Smith another week, is, is there another option? Is there another way of going about this? Or are you simply beholden to simply putting Chuma Doga out there and saying, do your best, young man, and we'll try and help you out a little bit? Well, Matt Willetsko is probably healthy enough, and he's already had his weeks of practice to uh, be taken off of injured reserve. But then here's a guy that hadn't played all year. I don't know if that's an answer. And I know what coaches' theories are about making two moves to solve one, meaning moving Tyler Smith out to tackle and let uh, either Bass or Richards play uh, guard. But, again, he hasn't played tackle basically all year. Uh, now, are you weakening two spots uh, to try to save one? Uh, or when you game plan, uh, you know, do you decide, okay, we just got to give him more help. If, if that means, uh, you know, on first and second down, using more two tight ends and keeping one over there, uh, if it means in third down passing situation, I don't send the running back out. I try to chip uh, and help him out the best I can. Uh, but obviously they got to adapt somewhat uh, on that side if that has to go forward for this Detroit game. Well, And again, it's a short week, right? Sure. Because basically today's practice is one of their easy ones that they usually do on Monday. So now you got Tuesday and Wednesday. You'll do a little bit. Uh, I mean, you got it's already Tuesday, isn't it? You got Wednesday and Friday or Thursday and a little bit on Friday, and then you're playing a game on Saturday night. So, yeah, uh, the NFL doesn't make it easy on anyone. Uh, that's for sure. No, it does, and especially when now today is what there. It would be there Thursday on a Tuesday, correct? Now, don't get me confused. <laughs> it's Tuesday. But they're going to treat it as Wednesday. Gotcha. Okay, there we go. So the practice, though, will be very light. Uh, they're out of padded practices, so there's no pads coming on on Thursday. And Friday would be, you know, usually uh, what you do on Saturday. And, and that's a light practice before flying out later in the day. Now, the good thing is at least they're at home. Uh, they don't have to take, you know, take up time flying. So, yeah, it's a quick preparation for uh, Detroit. Well, Mickey, as a, as a backup myself in this regard, I appreciate you stepping in, making sure that uh, my, my, my assignments are held up. Sorry. Is Mike is Mike chipping for you? Absolutely. I'm trying okay. my best, man. <laughs> well, it's good to have you back, by the way. Thank yes. you. It, it's good. It's very much good to have him back. And I guess uh, we'll, we might have to move it around a little bit, but we'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay. Sounds good. All right. See ya. Mickey Spagnola, DallasCowboys.com, joins us every day here on the KNC Masterpiece. Uh, coming up next, talk a little hoops. Luke Doncic has been fantastic. Does anyone care? We'll discuss it next on The Fan. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Doncic going for 50 and he's got it. Luka Doncic on this Christmas night. Another casual 50-point game for Luka Doncic on Christmas night. It's KNC Masterpiece here on 105.3 The Fan, Reginald Atatula in for Kevin and Corey. Mike Bassick still here with you. Appreciate Chris Strong for uh, being on the ones and twos for us this afternoon. I almost said evening because I'm typically on in the evening. However, here I am. Midday's. We're the get right on KNC Masterpiece. No, nah, not quite. No. no. That just means I'd be on another show. That's I true. I want to be on another show. That's true. Like, not permanently. I'm just saying, like, so you want to come I was in on G-Bag Nation. And then, but if you call this the get right, then that means I've been on three of the four shows up here. I just, Sean and RJ, I filled in when I was, uh, you know, up and coming in this 105.3 The Fan situation. They were, I think they were more new school. Yeah. Back then, they had Jasmine on. What a time. Yeah. Man, time's flown, rather. Um, but yeah, it is still a KNC masterpiece. A show by any other name is still that show. Um, you can always get involved with the program by texting into the truckwreck.com text line, 877-881-1053. We appreciate you doing that. We're, I'm reading a lot of them, I promise. I am. Um, it's just, I got to get used to, oh yeah, middays again. There's a lot of people texting in. Also, what, what are you guys doing? What are, you guys, are you guys out and about? Are you guys working? I think it's vacation for 50% of the listeners still. Yeah, let's I do it. 50% of the listeners had to go back to mm-hmm. work today, but I bet 50% of the listeners are taking kind of their vacation and then getting back to work on January 2nd. Yeah, uh, so let me know. Let's do an informal poll on that text line, 877-881-1053. However, that audio that we played, was the sound of Luka Doncic scoring 50 points on Christmas Day. He becomes only the fourth player to score 50 or more points on Christmas Day. He joins. Do you know who he joined? I saw it last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was Rick Barry. That is correct. Bernard he scored 50. Bernard Keen had yep. 60. That's and right. 59, was it Wilt? That was Wilt. Yeah. So, look, incredible company. I mean, if you're not like a real basketball head, you might not be familiar with some of those names, but all very good names. I saw on the bottom line, I know this isn't the best name to be involved with, and unfortunately it gets compared to him a lot, and I do think he's way better than Fatso Magoo. <laughs> but uh, I think James Harden is the only other player to have 50 points and 15 assists in a game. 
That's a good question. I I'll thought I saw it on the one. bottom line. It said first, maybe it was since 2016. I think in 2016, if I'm if I remember reading the bottom line right, maybe Luke is the first player since 2016, James Harden being the last one to do it, to have 50 points and 15 assists in one game. And just watching Luca, not only last night, but this year, this is the best Luca I've ever seen. I'm now, I asked this question. I haven't even checked Twitter to see my responses. I try not to do this anymore because Twitter can be a pretty, at times, evil place. Is I said, I'm going to bed thinking, am I watching the best player in the NBA now? And I know last night he had 50 and 15 and I believe six rebounds. But throughout this season, watching Luca play at a faster pace, watching Luca play better defense, I'm not saying he's a great defensive player, but playing more engaged, better defense on a consistent basis. I feel like there is a real argument now to make. I get Jokic and Giannis and uh, Tatum is playing at an awesome level this year. And you might want to include a couple other guys too. I yeah. understand Kawhi when he's completely healthy. But I am I think there's a real argument now to say Luka's the best player in the NBA. I'm not saying he is. Just saying you can really have a real discussion about Luka now being the best player in the NBA. And one of the things that I always come back to, and it's tough, is because the defense isn't incredible, right? And the defense isn't right. great. 100%. Um, he is trying on defense. And some of that is, I think we can attribute reasonably to his, just his shape. It's something that yeah. a lot of people have talked about a lot, but it's it was a level of maturity that he needed to get to. And he's talked about how it is easier for him now that he is in better shape, that he's, you know, put some things in place. And you can see it. As you mentioned, he's getting up and running. He seems to be, like, up for the game more use, uh, more throughout the game. And also, like, he could defend when it came to, all right, somebody's posting up. The problem is people aren't posting up as much. You need to be able to flow in an offense. You need to be able to run and close out. And he's doing that more. The thing that I find interesting, because... Yeah, when you said yeah. his... his um his workout in the yeah. offseason and he's averaging 37.1 minutes a night I think that's second in the NBA I can't remember who's first but I remember hearing this and this is the most minutes he's ever averaged in his career per game now that hopefully will come down as the season goes on and you get hopefully Kyrie back and healthier right. but right now he's having to play pretty much for this uh nine game stretch that Kyrie has been out nine straight games thanks a lot Dwight Powell you're the best <laughs> Uh, is I don't know why I thought I could get through a show. He's pretty much that. averaging forty a night through this stretch. Now he didn't play the other night in Houston, but and you get it, like he's averaging pretty much forty a night while Kyrie's being out to have a chance to win. Absolutely, and it's worth noting Kyrie Irving's missed probably something what like eleven games, twelve, 12 total, games. Okay. nine in a row. Thanks a lot, Dwight. He's won eight, the the Mavs rather have won eight games. And without Kyrie Irving. So they're eight and four. That's pretty good. And it's not because Kyrie's a cancer or a chemistry killer. No. He, Kyrie has been great this yes. year when healthy. Uh, and hopefully he's coming back soon. I don't know when. And hopefully Dwight Powell won't be on the court to body slam his, his ankle <laughs> the next time he's on the court. But uh, I look at what Luke is doing. And the reason that I say he might be the best player in the NBA, and I'm not trying to take shots at other players around the NBA, if you think somebody is better, I totally get it. There's a group of guys. This isn't the Jordan era right now, or this isn't the LeBron era, where it was pretty obvious who the best player in the league is. I do think there's a group of guys that you can consider the best player in the NBA right now, is... If you look at what he's playing with on a consistent basis, now, thank God Lively came back. He's been amazing, and that's a whole nother topic on how great he's been as a rookie. But if you look at 
Tim Hardaway Jr. is arguably his second best player on the court. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Grant Williams has been a major disappointment, to be honest, and and we'll get that's another topic. But yeah. you look at Derek um, Jones Jr. doing great in his role; he's playing the best he's ever played in his career. It doesn't mean that he's a good NBA basketball player. And then you look at Dante Exum; you just look at who he's dealing with. Dwight Powell, who's not an NBA basketball player, but the Mavs keep throwing him out there. Is you look at what he's playing with on the court. I'm not trying to take shots at guys. Some guys are exceeding my expectations. Some guys are playing below expectations. But what he's dealing with is he doesn't have Drew Holiday. He doesn't have Chris Middleton. He doesn't have Robin Lopez. He doesn't have Michael Porter Jr. And I know Jamal Murray's been out some this year. But if you start looking at the other great players and then you look at because Kyrie's been out almost half the year, you're like, wow, Luka has this team with a positive record playing at an unbelievable level, engaging on defense. Offensively, I don't think there's a question he's the best in the NBA. I don't think that's close. No, especially because there's not a, there's not an answer, right? One thing that we've seen is teams have taken to blitzing him and sending two at him and also varying it through the game because you can't do the same thing with him, yeah. and it does not stop him. Yeah. It, may, it may kind of stun him for a couple of possessions, then it's right back to it him getting anything and everything that he wants. He doesn't panic at all with the double team near half court. He doesn't no. panic. He takes his time, and he he makes almost the right decision almost every time. Now, one thing I will say is, and this needs to go to the front office, whoever you want to talk about. Nico Harrison, obviously, deserves a lot of credit with this. Mark Cuban, whoever you want to speak to, is you can talk about the caliber of players that are around, especially without Kyrie Irving on the floor. There, I mean, there's something to be said for having role players that are contributing in the ways that they need to, which is not something you could say for the Mavericks at many times yeah. over Luka Doncic's tenure, right? Dante Exum is a guy who can help you get to the rim and who can, you know, play some defense and play, yeah. be rangy and then also can knock down some shots. Derek Jones Jr. is knocking down his shots. Tim Hardaway Jr., they have unleashed the ultimate six-man in Tim Hardaway Jr. This is Jr. the best he's been in his career in Dallas. And Maybe I, the, the best he's been in his career overall. I have an appreciation for, in some ways, even though, I don't know. Look, I, I, let me not talk about that. But I have an appreciation for him deciding, I may not be a great defender, but I can get these charges and get possessions that way. And so I think that they've built uh, built out a better roster around him, even if it's not an incredible roster without having Kyrie Irving, who you anticipated being with this. But, Mike, how do you make this job? Because this is one of the things I always think about, especially when we start talking about MVP. Yeah. Right? Which is not exactly the same thing as the best player in the world, but I think it, th- these are along the same lines. Now, right. when we talk about value over replacement player, which is the basketball version, version of war mm-hmm. right um he is third Luka Doncic is third with a 3.0 just below Luka Doncic and both of them trail significantly no Nikola Jokic that one we can all kind of understand when shares per 48 is a metric that seems to jive and run a little bit concurrently with MVP MVPs it's MVP amazing voting. that wasn't really a stat we thought of no. back when Dirk was playing but now when you He's go back in the history oh and, and we never discussed it I didn't even know it was a factor but when you go back and you look at Dirk and he was top five almost every year in his prime yep. in this category sometimes first along with Duncan was up there a lot too is you're like wow like you could argue like Dirk maybe should have had more MVPs yes. if you look at more of numbers like this. Absolutely. It's one of the things that's kind of incredible to you know take a quick detour is that locally folks loved D- uh, Dirk and knew that Dirk was incredible. Nationally it wasn't as good but now nationally especially as we get more of these analytics we can go back and look. Oh, Dirk was a lot better than people gave him credit for. But along those lines when share per 48 tends to track nicely with uh MVP Luka Doncic last week was 11th and now is 6th. 
And so, and he's sixth uh, along the lines. The people near him, Tyrese Halliburton, Christoph Porzingis, Anthony Davis, are the players around him. Um, and well above yeah, him, those guys again. Tyrese Halliburton, okay. who's having a great season. Yes, Christoph Porzingis having a great wow. season in his own right. I'm surprised that was like, did I hear that right? Right. Like I was looking at a stat, and then I was like, did you just throw his name into this category? I did, and Anthony Davis. Okay, and all of them are having good seasons, very good seasons by their regards. Right. But those guys are also on kind of a step below Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, Shea Gilgis Alexander. What's who weird is up there, Anthony Davis, and he's a great player. Don't get me wrong. And Christoph Porzingis, this is easy to say about him. Is there secondary players on their team? Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, Porzingis kind of isn't even secondary. He's probably third on right. that team. But like, Halberton obviously is the leader of the Pacers. Luke is obviously the leader of the Mavericks, even when Kyrie is healthy. Uh, but that was interesting that out of those three guys you named, two of them you would kind of consider Anthony Davis, maybe 1A, 1B right. type deal. But. And he's in that place because he's not a ball handler, so he needs yeah. someone to get him the ball. But I find that interesting because, and he is climbing. Like I mentioned, last week he was 11th, right? So maybe some of this ends up coming out in the wash, right? You're not naming an MVP on Christmas. You're not yeah. naming an MVP right. in February, right? This is ultimately Even though be, they keep those rankings on NBA.com right. and stuff. Right, but I, I just find it interesting is like with this metric, again, and this metric isn't the end-all be-all, but it attempts to try and get – you know, how much you're contributing to wins, offense, defense, yeah. all things together in one metric. And they obviously try and normalize it by doing it over 48 minutes so it evens out. And with that being the case, he's still kind of in that place where he seems to always be where he's everybody can look at him and see that the numbers there and that he plays well and you can't stop him on offense. But ultimately, he's still in that place where it's like, OK, now the now the adults are talking when we're talking about MVP. And I, yeah. I, it really stinks for that. Uh, and, and he was probably built up a little bit too much too quickly in the he's going to win an MVP because he was favored. Sure. Last year he was the favorite because they made it to the Western Conference Finals and it just looked like – and honestly, that was a really rough year all the way around for, for Luka, for the Mavericks, for coaching staff, for front office, for everything. It was just a really tough year. And, you know, he just maybe was like too quickly thrown there so people are like tired of him getting thrown into like he's just going to win the MVP – and so now it's like, you got to be super special. And he is super special this yeah. year. I'm going to ask you this question because I know we're running out of time. What's up? All the players in the NBA, take Luka off this team, put that player on this team. Are they 18 and 12 with what you have? Uh, on, like, if I put Jokic on this team, are they 20 and 10? Are they 18 and 12? Are they better? Are they worse? Are they the same? You can do it with Giannis. You can do it with LeBron. Whoever you want to do it with. And I know LeBron is not in his prime anymore. Still a really good player. There's very few of them. And that's, to me, this is a unique situation where, now when Kyrie comes back, it's a little bit different. And maybe if Grant Williams figures out how to play on this team consistently, maybe it's different. But right now, and I'm not... Derek Jones Jr., Dante Exum. I want to make sure. Derek Lively. Freaking, of course. Incredible. Like, like, there are really good players. Tim Hardaway Jr. is playing the best basketball of his career. I'm not saying these guys aren't good, but when you start looking at teams, if you look at Minnesota's team overall and you look at Denver and Oklahoma City and Sacramento, those are the teams ahead of Dallas in the standings, and you look at their overall team, you would see that you have Sabonis, you have, I'm sorry, the the younger guy who's making seven zillion threes in Sacramento, who's in his second year or third year in the league. 
Um, but, it's not. But anyways, I'm just, I'm getting off topic here. But like, I just look at this Maverick team without Kyrie is for almost Keegan Murray. Yes. Okay. For half a year, and you just start going, wow, this is amazing what Luke is doing, and he's taking his game to another level offensively and yes, defensively. He's this is the most engaged he's ever been defensively. And ultimately, I think the tell the, the, the what will be the telltale of this is. How does it look in March and April all the way through with team success as well? It's kind of stinks that team success matters in this, but also this is the sport where an individual can impact that the most. And I think that's where Luka Doncic has had unfortunate um, circumstances. Just when you start worrying about him overall, if he wants to get better and be the best, he has this year. And I'm like, wow, what an improve! It's tough to improve from 32 point, almost triple double, double average, but he's improving. I mean, that's the thing that we need to come back to is that he is still so young. And, like, even with Nikola Jokic, it was around this age when he started getting really serious about it. And you saw that, oh, there's a lot more that you can get out of this. And it's kind of scary at the prospect that there could be more that you could get out of 24-year-old Luka Doncic. Uh, It's the KNC Masterpiece here on 105.3 The Fan. Coming up next, we'll dip into some gridiron gravy on The Fan. Ravens stretch three receivers to the right. Lamar Jackson fakes the toss to the right, throws across the middle. Touchdown! Zay Flowers! And the Ravens strike on back-to-back drives. KNC Masterpiece here on 105 through the fan. Reginald Atatula in for Kevin and Corey, who both have the week off. Mike Bassick's in with me, though, and uh, as is Chris Strong on the ones and twos. Thank you all for rocking with us, uh, and I hope everybody had a Merry Christmas, wonderful uh, holiday season. Uh, as we're, you know, just trucking along yeah. here. Well, I can't wait to get into this topic because we were texting each other last night yes. um, about a little bit about this game, a lot about obviously the Maverick game, but uh, this was a shocking uh, game to me. The Baltimore San Francisco at San Francisco was a shocking game to well, me. Let's, let's start there as we uh, go around the entire NFL and dip into some gridiron gravy. Dip. It's weird being here and not saying it myself. So you a know? blowout, huh? Let's yeah, let's let's start a bit. What was the most surprising thing for you in this game? Uh Niners fall to the uh Baltimore Ravens in Santa Clara. Yeah. And I mean, look, I think that there was folks that thought this would go if if there was a blowout possibility, they thought it would go the other way including Mike Florio, yeah. who uh used an expletive in saying that he thought that the uh the Niners would kick the bleep out of the Ravens. Yeah. And ultimately, we get the complete opposite. And I didn't think that this was the, the the outcome. I thought it could be a close game, and I thought the Ravens could win. Not like this. Here's what was surprising to me. Brock Purdy, for the first time in his short career, turned into Jimmy Garoppolo. Because when people mm. say, hey, anybody can be successful in this system, they'll be good. I'm like, no. I watched Jimmy Garoppolo play in this system for years. And, yes, they made it to a Super Bowl. And if he hits Emmanuel Sanders, they have a Super Bowl championship. But he's not good enough to hit Emmanuel Sanders late in a game to win a Super Bowl. And so Brock Purdy has elevated that team well above what Jimmy Garoppolo ever could do. But last night he turned into Jimmy Garoppolo because that's what the 49ers would have games like this. That's why they drafted Trey Lance. That's why they traded a lot of assets to try to go, we can't do this anymore. We're a really good team. We almost won a championship with Jimmy Garoppolo as our quarterback and have gotten close another time or two. We have to get better than Jimmy Garoppolo because he will kill us in certain situations. And last night, what was shocking to me was the guy, before the game started, the overwhelming favorite to win the MVP with three games to go. Brock Purdy had such a bad game that he pretty much eliminated himself in one night 
from being the heavy favorite to you have no chance to win the MVP. Yeah, Brock Purdy, 18 of 32 on the night, 255 yards and four, count them, one, two, three, four interceptions in a game where Christian McCaffrey has 103 yards and a touchdown on the ground and George Kittle has 127 yards and Brandon Ayuk has 113 yards. This is a game in which it felt like Baltimore was dominating it from start to finish. Did it look like, help me out here, because obviously I had the blackout on ABC. Yes. And so I'm following it through highlights and I'm following it through watching it on my computer, like play-by-play stuff, as I have on NBA basketball and, uh, you know, as the Mavericks were starting that game off, is... Did Brock Purdy, when he got hurt, want to come back in the game and Harbaugh pretty much say, sorry, not Harbaugh, but Shanahan say, uh, hey, no go, man. Sam Darnold's doing just fine and you have stunk it up today. I mean, I don't think that he used quite those words, but <laughs> yeah. um, I think afterwards, and I'll have to I'll have to double check and make sure that I have uh, the, the exact words right. The idea basically from Shanahan was they didn't want to chance it at that point. Um, and so they left Sam, Sam Darnold in, but Brock Purdy did want to get back in the game. Uh, with the way that he was playing, I mean, uh, the first interception came from Sam Darnold thinking that he looked off the safety and then not checking in and throwing and it directly. Purdy. Or sorry, Brock Purdy, right? Um, they are not replaceable even or interchangeable, even though my brain seems to want to think that. Brock Purdy, thinking that he looks off the safety, throws it, and Kyle Hamilton comes up and just snags it out of the air. Yeah. I, I just it was shocking because look, you're gonna have bad games. It's it's and Brock Purdy's not the best. Like, obviously the best by far, and I don't care what the record says and how bad it's been this year. Patrick Mahomes is by far the best quarterback in the NFL, and it's honestly not even close. It's kind of like when Jordan was in his time or LeBron was in his time. Like it's not close. Patrick Mahomes is way better than every quarterback in the NFL. He's just dealing with complete trash at the wide receiver position. I know Brock Purdy had a chance to win the MVP, a great chance, and blew it last night. That's over for him and done for 2023. I just didn't expect him to be that bad. Like, I understand you're going to have a bad game. You're going to have a surprising loss. And Baltimore's good. Now I'm going to throw it to you, Reggie, on the other side after that. Is Baltimore way better than I think? Because I don't feel like they're great. I just think they're in the mix of really good teams. Are they great? It's a great question because I'm inclined to say yes. However, I've I've done a lot of watching of this team because I've always been interested in them, particularly when they made the change at offensive coordinator to Todd Monken because I wanted to see what the potential was versus what it had been prior. Yeah. And the thing that I take away from this Baltimore Ravens team is when they play, they look dominant all the time. The problem is they've been just letting teams they've letting teams hang around and then they've just let a few games go uh you know get taken away from them and you know that is a problem right for a good team right you want to make sure that you start to finish but no team is perfect and that is their flaw is that they seem to let teams hang around but that is a best in the league defense and then you pair it okay. with Lamar Jackson who the way that he plays for some reason does not you know gain a lot of like a uh, acclaim but he is so good. He's in the, when he's in the pocket, finding these receivers, using different arm slots is really fun in that way. But then also when he needs to use his legs, he can. And the thing that continues to amaze me is that he just has a way of not getting hit. And it sounds very nonsensical to say, but yeah. So I, I really do like this Baltimore Ravens team. And I, I didn't, again, I even with all that being the case, I still thought the Niners were the best team in the league. Yeah. And ultimately... What showed up is that their defense can play at such a high level that they can neutralize what what seemed like a, a Niners offense that was really tough. Now, mind you, one of the big things about this is that 
um, is that Trent Williams gets injured right. in this game. And so with Trent Williams injured, what does that mean for the Niners going forward? Because that three-game slippage when they had, yep. Trent Williams was either not playing or not fully healthy in that in that stretch. And we just saw that. I'll go to the other side here, Reggie, with Trent Williams because it in a weird way, you have a two-game losing streak here in Dallas, and you feel like, all right, it's over. We're gonna make the the Cowboys are gonna make the playoffs, beat the NFC South team, then losing the divisional round, and it'll be three years in a row, kind of same story type of situation. But you look at the injury that the 49ers just took, and they can't win without Trent Williams. And you look at the Cowboys, and is it this simple? The Cowboys can't beat a playoff team without Tyron Smith? Like, it's just over and done? Like, I know it was a very close game. It could have gone either way. Totally understand that Miami-Dallas game. But is it that devastating to a team when they lose their left tackle that it's just like, you're screwed? There's there's almost nothing you can do unless you're really lucky and have some stud rookie or second-year guy who's just waiting in the wings that, like, Losing a tackle just destroys your offense. It's possible. And then what's noted is obviously 425 yards of offense. It it did not feel quite in the same way when you watched it. However, the big thing also to remember, four turnovers. And some of those were wow. tipped in the air. Yeah. But still, like the turnover battle matters. matters and we yeah. talked about that with the Cowboys as well. In that Cowboys game, uh, Jalen Waddell, a big deep threat. And you saw it in particular. I, I think uh, Stephon Gilmore saw it up close and personal. However, he seemed to like limp off the field a couple of times and ultimately has been diagnosed with um, a high ankle sprain. Okay. And so that, you know, could potentially jeopardize his playoff availability. Talking about the AFC and talking about the Ravens, uh, how, does, how does that make the AFC look to you now, Mike Bassett? I think there's two teams that can go to the Super Bowl, and one team might not even make the playoffs, and that is Baltimore and Buffalo. I think those are by far the two best teams in the AFC. Now, it could be this, and it could be this way in the NFC too, because I do think Dallas is the second best team in the NFC. I totally get that they've lost two games in a row and on the road, and they're going to have to go on the road in the playoffs. I totally get all those things. and But I think that in the AFC, I'll give Baltimore is the best because they have the best record. But if I am Baltimore, and I, you shouldn't think this, but I would say the best matchup, the best two teams that I think will play in January in the AFC will be Buffalo and Baltimore. Will it be in the second round? Will it be in the divisional round rather than in the AFC championship game? I don't know. But to me, those are the best two teams. Uh, I think that in the NFC, that it's uh, San Francisco and Dallas. But they might not meet in the NFC championship game. They might meet in the divisional round. Well, elsewhere around the NFL, uh, Bill Belichick is in some tough ways. Um, and I know that the organization... Future is, Cowboys head coach? I saw that while I was on vacation. We, we, could, we could dive into that at some point. I imagine that we need to, you know, have other conversations first, and seeing as that job is not vacant. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the Bill Belichick kind of in a tough way. New England Patriots have looked kind of uh, funky, to say, oh to say the least. Um, it seems... All right, let me ask, not, you know, impose. I'm going to play this audio yeah. of Bill Belichick being caught on a hot mic. Do you think that this is because of, you know, just normal coaching situations? Or is this maybe a factor of something else? So that, that came through on a hot mic. He, you can hear him yelling, you've got to give us a shot. You just spotted the ball. Um, and so with that being the case, like he is yelling at a sideline official okay. in that instance. and. Obviously, we see Bill Belichick, and when we do, he's talking like this, and he's 
And I, yeah. it just makes me wonder, how much how much of this do you think is just a coach being in coach mode versus being in uh, presser mode? Or how much of this is just like the fire of, I'm in a bad place right now? No, I think that, well, obviously he's never been this bad at football. Maybe he was with Cleveland and I totally forget or something like that. But I look at this and I think to myself, he knows all these small little details of all these things that he needs and trying to manipulate refs. And I'm not saying he's trying to manipulate there. I do think there's a stress level that comes with losing week in and week out. But I think that he knows what he needs from those guys or a girl, I guess now uh, on the sideline for refing. And he was just trying to get the ball where he needed or spotted where he needed spotted in a certain amount of time to give his team a chance. Um, That being said, my question, I know we're out of time, Reggie, Mm -hmm. for another time, I guess, is I just don't, is Belichick 1988 Tom Landry or Chuck Knowles around that time? Like these are all time greats and Bill Belichick arguably is the greatest uh, head coach in the history of the NFL. I'm just wondering if at this point over the last three years, is the game starting to get to a level where everything is changing in the NFL, the rules and everything and the way that you need to build teams and all this thing. Some things stay the same. Some things change. Is he getting to that point where the league is changing so much that he can't keep up or, or want to keep up with everything that you need to adjust to? It's, it's quite possible because for him, his superpower was being able to zig when the rest of the league zagged. And I, I wonder if it's just you only have so many innovations in you. Yeah. Also, too, I mean, he is horrible at evaluating college players. That is true. Uh, Completely and utterly pathetic. So if you're a Cowboys fan and you want Bill Belichick, you want him doing nothing with picking your talent out of amateur football. I guess it's not amateur football anymore either. No. They make a lot of money. Well, I mean... It's it's not fully professional though, but that <laughs> don't get me started on that. We don't have time for that. Uh, Can't see masterpiece here on 105.3 The Fan coming up next on the Can't See Masterpiece. Who has more room for frustration, C.D. Lamb or Micah Parsons? We do all of that next. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty five dollars per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty five dollars per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 